from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Everybody, we're in line for Beyonce tickets. So (laughs) if y'all could just wait until we've got them. That would be great. Much appreciated. I don't have high hopes. Uh, hey, n- now with that attitude, <laughs> what would Beyonce say if she were in our situation? I mean, she'd say, release your job, release your hope for tickets to my show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair. But she'll no, she'd say Ticketmaster won't break your soul. There you go. And I'll be like, you're right, girl. They're going to try. Yeah, I know, right? I, was, I, I looked it up. I was like, how much are Beyonce tickets going to be when they do go on sale? And I saw... They were like, well, you know, probably $110 or the cheapest seats will be $550, somewhere in that range. Big range. Big range. One of those numbers, I'm like, all right, we could make that work. And in one of those numbers, I'm like, that I would never pay that for anything. I can't do that. I cannot go. I mean, to be honest with you, I I might pay for that much. (laughs) We'll talk. I might. Just because I love Renaissance. Sure. And I would like to see Beyonce live one time in uh, my well, life. Well, that's where I'm at. Because, like, I don't, I couldn't, I'm still on Scrubs. You know, like, that's <laughs> my, where I'm at with Beyonce. Scrubs is TLC. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> You're far away I'm from still Beyonce. on Bills, Bills, Bills. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I haven't kept up, is what I'm saying. But that show, I know from just a production standpoint, is going to be one of the most oh impressive shows uh, ever made. So, yeah, yeah, I would go. That's I would, what, I would well, go. right. And I did see recently someone was like, just go to the concert. Like, just go because money. One life to live. It comes and it goes. 
but you have one life. Yeah, exactly. It's, and who knows? Yeah. You know, you might miss your chance to see Beyonce or, you know, whatever legend yeah. you want to go see. So you may as well shell out and do it. You know, you're li- not likely to regret it. We have one life to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that time <laughs> slips through the hourglass like the days of our lives. And, you know, you might find yourself in a, I don't know, a general hospital at mm. some point. And you're going to be wondering, uh, you know, what are all my children doing? <laughs> so your guiding light. Yes. Be... Enjoy the Beyonce dynasty. <laughs> well, today we've got a really amazing story. Another one that felt so simple mm-hmm. when we decided to go into it. And got so complicated in in the best of ways. So I'm really excited to tell this story today. Y'all, they're here. They're queer. They're from the Southern Hemisphere. Mm. It's penguins. Now, there's been a bunch of gay penguin stories in the news in the last decade. And you would think that these are just mostly happy little puffin pieces in the news. Mm -hmm. But of course, for some people, these penguin stories just don't fly. But there's actually quite a long list of homosexual or bisexual behavior in the animal kingdom. And of course, it turns out that it's a lot to get into. So today, we're going to talk about some famous penguin pairs and some other same-sex animal partners. And then we'll hear about just how common this is in the animal kingdom. Finally, we'll get into why biologists and LGBT activists alike don't really like to lean on the term gay for penguins and other animals. But then while we're at it, just to top things off, there is another crazy fact that we'll get to about the only other animals besides humans to engage in prostitution. Well, let's make like a penguin and do it. Yes, let's go. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show ridiculous romance. A production of iHeartRadio. Okay, so first of all, let's talk penguins, y'all. Penguins, of course, flightless water birds. Uh, All but one species of penguin lives in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, There's one species that lives like on the Galapagos Islands. uh, That's just in the northern. But most of them live in the south. And the further south you get, the colder the environment is, the bigger they typically are. So you got these little island penguins that are real tiny. And then, of course, like the emperor penguins in the Antarctic are huge. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, I got to tell y'all, this episode starts with a bit of a downer. We've all seen the meme floating around that says that the Chinese word for penguin is business goose, which is great because you see a goose in a suit. You got yourself a penguin, right? Amazing. Beautiful. Well, I'm sorry, y'all, but that is another Internet lie. Uh, Not on the Internet. I know. I know. You, You can't. You can't always trust what you see there. It betrays me every time. I know. Like, the truth is that it's kind of complicated because it goes into a lot of, like, Chinese characters and their literal and generic interpretations. It's complicated, but you can look up an article on ChineseBoost.com that'll tell you that the Chinese characters for penguin actually mean something closer to tiptoeing goose. Which is just as cute, honestly. I kind of love tiptoeing goose. That is cute. That is cute. (laughs) Yeah, just like penguins. I mean, penguins are scientifically adorable. True. It's been proven again and again. Uh, Also want to throw out, if I don't know if anyone's seen Happy Feet. No. But it is one of the greatest animated movies ever made. 
So good. Happy oh Feet, directed by George Miller, the guy who makes the Mad Max movies. So <laughs> it is intense. It is insane. Also, Babe 2, Pig in the City. I'm not going to go into a whole George Miller thing here, but his kids' movies are great. I mean, no one does like George. No. Now, one of the best penguin facts is that penguins have no particular fear of humans. Yes. And that's because they don't really have any land-based predators. Love it. Um, they only have to worry about flying murder birds and swimming murder monsters. Ah. So when they see humans just like walking around boring style, <laughs> they probably just think we're basically bigger, weirdly featherless, ugly penguins <laughs> with weird long legs. Love it. <laughs> I love that a penguin would see me and be like, yo, you and I, we're the same. You and I. You're not you're not <laughs> some terror of the deep. No. And you're not some horrible screeching harpy from the skies. Yeah. So you must be a penguin. God, I want to party with the penguins. I would also party with a penguin. So anyway, they'll usually walk up to people and get about like nine or ten feet away before they get nervous and keep their distance, mm. which is also like people. Yeah. We get about that <laughs> close fair. to each other yeah, and we're like, I don't that's know. That's as close as I want to get. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you. Uh, there are about 17 different species of penguin, and they can be as small as about a foot tall, mm. like the little blue penguin, up to the largest, which is the emperor penguin, and they get to be about three foot seven. Oh, okay. But some prehistoric penguins could be as big and heavy as an adult human. And I just want to give one a hug. Uh, me too. Right? So for our non-American listeners out there, uh, an emperor penguin is a little over a meter tall. Which I Look guess is easier you. than three foot seven. Whatever. Get metric with it. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate the metric system. So when it comes to breeding, most penguins breed as a colony. And most of the pairings of penguins are monogamous, but not exclusively and not necessarily long term. So according to SeaWorld.org, Adelie penguins, for example, repair with their previous year's mate 62% of the time. Now, chinstrap penguins repaired 82% of the time. <laughs> and Gentoo penguins repaired with their previous partner each year 90% of the time. Wow. That's incredible. That's way better stats than I think humans have, honestly. Penguins usually share a mating ritual. Uh, and this involves a lot of like head swinging and trumpeting. They'll bow down. They'll look up. The, you know, a bird mating ritual, basically. Cool. And then all penguins lay two eggs per nest, except for king and emperor penguins who both lay one. And in all penguins, the two parents share incubation duties. Or one sits on the egg while the other goes out fishing or whatever, mm -hmm. except for emperor penguins where exclusively the male does all of the incubating. Oh. Yeah, men pulling their weight, raising a child, you know? Emperor <laughs> penguins, we could learn a lot. I wonder if emperor penguin ladies are like, uh, so you get to sit around all day? Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. You're really, really pulling your weight. A BBC article called, If You Think Penguins Are Cute and Cuddly, You're Wrong. <laughs> says that if a female emperor penguin loses a chick, she might attempt to steal one from a nearby mother. What? That's crazy. Straight up chick napping. Yeah. But then things get violent because if other nearby female penguins see it happening, they will gang up and fight her. What? Which, you know, that's community coming together. Yeah, yeah. Trying to prevent ch ch a child being right, abducted. Right, right. Uh, some penguins have been seen stealing chicks 
from other birds. What? One emperor penguin kidnapped an egg from her own natural enemy, the skua, which is a bird that eats penguins. Ugh. So when the chick's actual parents showed up to try to, you know, get their kid back, the penguin fought them off twice. Damn. Like, I would like to keep this natural predator with me, please. This is like a Jerry Springer story or a Maury. Actually, that would be a pretty amazing episode of Jerry Springer. Oh, if he, if tried he just to get did together. penguins. Penguins <laughs> and skuas. Like, and they're just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> now, BBC says that zoologists had to step in and return the chick to its real parents to basically save everyone involved. That makes sense. this was going to be a constant battle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Plus, when that skua grows up full I mean, size, I don't know if it would think it was a penguin. Some some bird stories make me think it would, but I maybe its that. instinct would kick in and it would eat other baby penguins in the in the. It's crash like a Mowgli situation. Right. Where, like The other penguins are like, he's going to grow up and be a, a man oh, cub. Oh, yeah. And he's going to shoot us. Yeah. And the, uh, the, you know, the wolves were like, no, he's one of us, so he, he won't. Yeah, because he grew up with us. It's whole nature versus nurture. Okay. Um. All right, Brad Bird. I know you're listening. <laughs> I want you to go call your friends at Pixar, <laughs> and we're gonna do this. We're gonna get this penguin skua kidnapping story together. It's gonna be beautiful. Yes. It's basically the Jungle Book on ice. The ice flow book. Yeah. Okay. So we're learning all this, and what we're seeing is that penguins are devoted parents, and they have pretty balanced gender roles. And that brings us to one of the first big sensationalized same-sex penguin stories to hit the news, Roy and Silo. These are two male chinstrap penguins at the Central Park Zoo in Manhattan. And in 1998, they were seen performing mating rituals together. Every day, they would find each other and, and do those dances. They would entwine their necks and, you know, and fling their heads back and let out these trumpets calls. And frequently, they would, according to the reports, have sex. Now, The Guardian, The New York Times, BBC, and even National Geographic all declined to go into any detail on that. Boo. Um, yeah, <laughs> Get boo, explicit. But also, I kind of don't want to know. No, I know. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, but is your imagination worse is the real question. But anyway, apparently they had sex. When presented with female companionship, Roy and Silo both kind of just gave a big shrug and went back to each other. So they're actively choosing their partnership over a same-sex pairing. Hmm. And then their instincts started to take over, and Roy and Silo clearly wanted to raise a chick together. So much so that they found this, like, egg-shaped rock, and they took it back to their nest and tried to incubate and hatch it. Aww. Yeah. Well, after that, their zookeeper, Rob Gramsay, decided it was time to see how they would do as parents. Right. So he brought them a fertile egg from another nest. Mm -hmm. Hopefully there was, he left one behind or something. Right, yes. No, this, <laughs> no, this particular be... pairing was having trouble uh, raising their egg together. I don't, I don't know okay, if that great. meant they were fighting or what the deal was. But... Okay, so it was like an adoptive parent yes, situation. Yes, it was a, it was a, a rescue. All right, so he, he brings them this egg. And sure enough, Roy and Silo were great dads. Look at that. They alternated sitting on the egg for the standard 34 days until their chick Tango was born. And they raised Tango just like any other pair, keeping her warm, protecting her, feeding her from their beaks until she could eat on her own. Mm -hmm. In 2005, a children's book was written by Peter Parnell and Justin Richardson called And Tango Makes Three, all about this happy penguin family. Mm -hmm. And it was widely seen as this very charming and delightful book all about the validity of same-sex parenting. Yeah. It won several awards. 
But according to the American Library Association, it was also the most challenged book in the country from 2006 to Mm. 2008, meaning that people wanted it banned and they didn't want their kids to read it and stuff like that. And it remained in the top 10 until 2019. So people were really like feeling some type of way about these two penguins. (laughs) One of the things that was funny is that uh, funny in like the frustrating way is that people were using it and saying it was supporting gay marriage. And the authors and the publishers came out and they were like, actually, there's literally nothing in this book about gay marriage. It's specifically about same-sex parenting mm-hmm. right. and how it's totally fine. And, you know, again, <laughs> it's just a metaphor. <sighs> People were losing their minds about it. People are Still do. Still do. I was amazed to see that it was still, it was like number nine in 2019, and then it finally fell off the list because I guess people have just found enough other things to be angry about. Now, unfortunately, in 2005, the same year that the book was published, Roy and Silo broke up. No. I know it's a tragedy. Oh. I got, I, at Speculation Station, I just think that, you know, that kind of fame can really affect a partnership, you know? They've got agents calling them all the time. Good point. You know, what if Roy is offered a book deal and Silo's not? Or like... Paparazzi coming out. Paparazzi. There's no privacy, you know? There's no intimacy. Everybody... They don't spend enough time together. Next thing you know, they're clashing about parenting styles. Oh, the fame goes to your head. Yeah. You know, suddenly silo is like well let's you know let's keep our heads cool we're still just each other and roy's like i'm a fucking rock star now yeah he's got like groupies all the time i need a biggie nest (laughs) well according to queerty.com roy and silo started having issues and drifting apart in 2004 after a pair of aggressive penguins took over their nest Mm. literally came and pushed them out it's like dang y'all made this nest real pretty and now we're going to come in and take it over. A couple years before they had these troubles, this female penguin named Scrappy had been transferred to the zoo from SeaWorld. And I guess in SeaWorld, they must teach penguins to be home wreckers because <laughs> she swooped in on Silo. And Silo and Scrappy paired off together. New York Times reports that after that, Roy mostly stayed by himself and would often be seen, quote, Alone in a corner, staring at the wall. No. Ugh. Just no, heartbreaking. Give him a stuffy or something. Something. Find oh, that breaks my heart. It's not the same. He says it'll never be Silo. Now, on the plus side, for fans of same-sex penguin stories, their daughter Tango did end up pairing off with another female named Tanuzi. Oh. Yeah. Well, there you go. Now, an article by Eric Castens from Museum Studies at Tufts University called What's With All the Gay Penguins mentions another penguin couple, Harry and Pepper, who had a similar story. Mm-hmm. They had been together for about five years when Harry cheated on Pepper with a widow penguin named Linda. Uh-uh. Mm. Linda probably killed her husband. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Speculation Station. <laughs> Linda's a murderer. Linda's the black widow of penguins. <laughs> well, Linda was described by her own caretaker as, quote, conniving. <gasps> oh. According to an article in Time. So, and I yeah. love the caretakers being like, that penguin's manipulative. She is, yeah. <laughs> She's always plotting. <laughs> and bloggers called her a homewrecker who, quote, lives for her own happiness no matter who gets hurt. Damn, Linda. <laughs> wow, Linda has a real personality. She lit the internet on fire. <laughs> I feel like I, I need to see this 
this uh, Bravo needs a show about Linda. I'm telling you. <laughs> then in 2019, there were two female Gentoo penguins, Rocky and Marama, who hatched a chick together in London. Mm-hmm. And the London Aquarium ruffled a lot of feathers when they announced that they were not assigning a gender to this chick, making it the first gender-neutral animal in captivity. Now, this sounds kind of kooky. It might even sound trendy or clickbaity. But as the aquarium said in a statement, quote, gender neutrality is a human construct, but it is completely normal in the animal kingdom. They say that in the wild, penguin males and females look and behave almost identically. Some studies have even questioned how much more prevalent same-sex pairings and penguins might be because it's just so hard to determine males and females without active invasive testing. There's a lot of animals like that. Very true. They say a lot of times biologists will study a pairing of animals and they will determine which one is the male and which one's the female by watching them have sex. And depending on which one behaves a certain way, they're like, oh, that must be the female. Funny. But they really don't know. And so they're like, this whole time we might have been watching two males or two females and just didn't realize it. That happened in a penguin study in the early 2000s. Wow. Yeah. I just they... remember having a bird that we thought was a girl bird yeah so we named her grace Uh uh-huh and then like years (laughs) a couple years in found out it was a male bird so we just called him mr grace pretty lazy (laughs) but yeah it was just one of those things where you're like i guess you know you just kind of guess or like a pet store guest i don't really know who said they that was a female bird right but eventually it was like it's not (laughs) i don't even know how we determined that either because i was too young (laughs) i just loved being like well what are we gonna call it now Uh (laughs) oh mr grace Okay. <laughs> I mean, think about Jurassic Park. You know, how do you know the dinosaurs are female? Somebody go out and pull up their skirts, you know? <laughs> Very true. Okay. But on the other hand of all that, assigning gender identities and sexual orientations has been called anthropomorphizing or assigning exclusively human characteristics to non-human things. All of this is a lot. So I say we just take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to look at sexuality in a bunch of different animals and see what the experts are saying about all these uh, bi birds and queer koalas and demisexual dolphins. (laughs) We'll be right back with that after this. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal 
and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Welcome back to the show, everybody. So, can animals be gay? Mm. It's a big question, mm-hmm. and it's also the title of a New York Times article from 2010 by John Mualem. And the answer is very clearly yes. There you go. And no? Oh. Okay, so it's not very clear. Ah. <laughs> it's actually super muddy and complicated. Of course. So is there same-sex sex in the animal kingdom? Mm-hmm. Now that's an easy yes. Okay. Very much so. A dazed digital article says same-sex behavior has been observed in up to a thousand species, from ducks to apes to bats to beetles, like pretty much yeah. any species. And all of them said, excuse me, can I get some privacy <laughs> <Okay>. here? <laughs> is this really any of your business? Right. <laughs> Um, But for a long time, biologists would not study this or they would write it off as like some random isolated event if Mm -hmm. they recorded it at all. Uh I'm picturing some like early 20th century explorer seeing two male penguins and going, oh, what? What did I just? You know what? I I saw nothing. Clearly, they're just in preparatory school. (laughs) Right. Yes. Anything can happen at Eton. We've all had our days at Eton. (laughs) No, more recently, though, uh, scientists are starting to actually pay attention and document when it's happening. Mm-hmm. But of course, people are being, you know, real people about it. Of course. And they're putting a lot of extra weight on these studies. Yeah. So when biologist Lindsay Young published a short paper about two female albatross pairings, she was, quote, pretty careful to plainly and simply report what we found. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, the objective fact. Sure. But by the end of the next day, the Internet was like flooded with people using it as propaganda. Either it was this big revelation about the human gay experience or it was selective pseudoscience meant to further some kind of gay agenda. Oh, no. Yeah. The gay agenda. (laughs) We're all better dressed (laughs) with conditioned hair. (laughs) Is the gay agenda in the room with us now? (laughs) Now, on one hand, of course, there's an obvious positive lesson here for homosexuality in humans. There's this constant disparagement that homosexuality is not natural. And that now gets thrown in the garbage because now we see that totally absent of any social structures or agendas, Mm -hmm. same sex activity and partnerships both definitely exist in nature. And that is a really important finding. And I think something people can take a lot of validation from. Mm -hmm. But now John Mualem points out that the central tenet of biology has always been, like ever since Darwin, that basically everything that happens, everything that non-human animals do 
goes back in some way to propagation of the species. So no matter what you see an animal doing, it's somehow related to producing offspring in the long run. more of themselves. Right. The survival tactics, you know, what they eat, where they go, how they form as a community and things like that. It's all about propagation. So why would an animal invest in sexual behavior that isn't reproductive? I mean, you know, biologists are like, well, this caused... You know, this costs energy. This uh, might leave you vulnerable. It takes time. Like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They call it an evolutionary paradox. And just the challenge of explaining it might be the main reason that biologists have kind of swept it under the rug for so long. It's not necessarily that biologists were always homophobic, although many of them have been and probably are. (laughs) But the sort of challenge of it uh, might be more the reason that people would like Let's just not worry about it. It's not important. But in the last 20 years or so, biologists are starting to theorize on ways that same-sex activity is actually beneficial to the propagation of the species. Mm. For example, here's something you didn't want to know. Young male dolphins will sometimes stick their dicks in each other's blowholes. God, God, dolphins, man. They do fuck around, the dolphins, don't they? (laughs) They are crazy. Um, and yeah, this is something that scientists did not look at much. Like, I mean, you know, they saw it and they'd be like, ha, all right, no thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever y'all are doing, I'm just going to let that be over there and pretend that I was busy writing something else down. Yes, right. Um, but it turns out that probably young male dolphins are being kind of like locker room buddies and yeah. they're bonding. Yeah. It's like snapping a towel at each other or something. <laughs> um. Because then those same groups of males work collectively to hook up with females later. So that explains why this behavior kind of stuck around in evolution. It was not bad for propagation. It was good for propagation. It helps them form a little gang Mm -hmm. because they've all... They get a wingman. They've all all experienced each other's dicks, so they're all closer (sighs) now. There you go. And they're like, all right, now we can all go out and get girls together. Yeah. They get a fin man, and the fin man's like, look, I've had his dick in my blowhole, and let me tell you something. Yeah. You'd be lucky, Susan. (laughs) Lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Primatologist Amy Parrish and her team found female Japanese macaques, quote, engaged in intimate acts, which in humans would be in the X-rated category. She says that might enhance their social position or assert dominance in a way that helps them become more successful mates for male partners. Mm, okay. Which is very interesting. Yeah. That the the females are like, maybe they're just teaching each other, like, this is how you sure. satisfy. <laughs> this is how you satisfy a monkey. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so you've got these lady macaques all getting together and kind of like the dolphins. They're just like fooling around together in that. Uh, they, they said that either helps them create this sort of bond. So now they could right. be like, all right, girls night, let's go get some boys. Mm-hmm. Or one female is like, I mounted each and every one of y'all. So I get to choose first. Dang. You know, either way, it's it is beneficial to their reproduction. Hmm. Now, in bonobo apes, which are genetically very close to humans, nearly 75 percent of their sexual activity is non-reproductive. Oh, They're wow. always you know, giving each other hand jobs and uh, getting real oh, freaky with each other. Come dry hunt my leg. Uh-huh. <laughs> Evolutionary psychology professor Robin Dunbar said to National Geographic that males engage in same-sex activity as a way to socially bond too, like the dolphins we talked about. He talks about Spartan soldiers having sex with each other. And he said, quote, they had the not unreasonable belief that individuals would stick by and make all efforts to rescue others 
if they had a lover relationship. You know, so again, I didn't that's know that sort about of, Spartans. Right. That's sort of like, well, if we're all doing it, then I'm going to be a lot more invested in this battle because hmm. this is someone who I've been really intimate with uh, right. on the most intimate level uh, <laughs> that I'm fighting next to. So it's sort of a similar thing maybe for the bonobos. But he also says it could be more of a developmental phase, like kind of like when young animals wrestle with each other when they sort of play fight to build their strength. Sure. This might be young animals trying out these different parts of their bodies and minds by fooling around with their pals. And then some of them just end up sticking with it. I was going to say that because I feel like kids do that. You know what I yeah. mean? Like. Not not even a sexual way, but like yeah. kids are just like, oh, look at my dick or like, oh, I'm growing yeah. titties. Look at them. Or right, like, I got a right. pubic hair or something. You know what I mean? Like you're just like you're you, we're on the same level. So it's the same level of exciting and scary and weird and yeah. embarrassing and, you know, all those things. Yeah. You can't really a younger kid or an older person. You can't really you wouldn't share. No. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And <laughs> some snail species. All of them are born male. Hmm. It's only after pairing up that one of the males will become female, which is a process that takes a few days. And then those females might go pair up with someone else. Hmm. But some male snails consistently choose male partners. And then others always went for partners that had already become females. So these lab studies show that they have preferences. Interesting. A more recent study from 2019 said that same-sex behavior goes way, way back to early evolution. Sexual behavior would have evolved before the kind of traits that differentiate the sexes, like size, odor, shape, color. Okay. You know, if we're just crawling out of the ooze, yeah. we haven't grown titties yet. We're just <laughs> right. trying to get rid of the tail we, first. We started having sex before we started to look different. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. We all looked the same. Yeah. <laughs> So individual animals would have just been having like indiscriminate sex with each other and like eventually reproduction would happen. They'd be like, oh, cool. That worked out. <laughs> I have this rudimentary dick. I'm just going to keep sticking it into things until reproduction happens. Something happens. <laughs> that way we'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> Trial and error, right? Yeah, basically. Uh, is that not evolution at work? Biologist Joan Roughgarden told New York Times, quote, to think of all these animals as multitasking with their private parts. <laughs> right. Which yeah. kind of sounds like Tallulah Bankhead. She used to say she was not bisexual. She was ambisextrous. <laughs> 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 as those other traits evolved and animals became more distinct between male and female, they would be more likely to pair off in different sex pairings. But same sex behavior didn't really have a reason to go away. Yeah. So it just kept happening. Yeah. There's like why, you know, if a, if an animal has tendencies towards same sex behavior, it's not hurting their reproduction. In fact, in the Washington Post article, Queer Animals Are Everywhere, Elliot Schrafer says the study shows from 2019 that if animals are having same sex sex or even bonding with a same sex partner, it does not necessarily mean that they're not also reproducing. Vincent Savalinens calls it the bisexual advantage and that this fluid sexuality actually increases reproduction chances over the history of life, largely by simply increasing the amount of time that animals are having sex. OK, I, that makes sense. Yeah. If you're just screwing everybody in your colony, you know, <laughs> somebody's going to get pregnant. Someone gets pregnant. <laughs> but ultimately, there might be no evolutionary advantage to same sex sex at all in animals. Hmm. 
And that's something biologists might just have to get over. <laughs> right. Deal with it, biology. <laughs> they talk about that. They're like, you know, Darwin's rule that, kind of like you mentioned earlier, Darwin's rule that everything must relate to procreation. Mm-hmm. Biologists think of it as their, like, speed of light. Like, that is the one rule that can't be broken. Right. And well, they might have to break it. That might be too rigid. Isn't that interesting when you're doing science and you have to go, what am I assuming? Yeah. You know, what is the foundational assumption that might be the right. thing that's incorrect? Right. Paul Vasey, who studied the Japanese macaques, said, quote, it isn't functional. The behavior has no discernible purpose, adaptationally speaking. Mm-hmm. And that leads us to the reason that we've probably all been thinking right. that you've probably been screaming at us the whole time <laughs> as to why animals are having same-sex sex. Mm-hmm. Sex is fun. Hello. Hey, in the last 20 years, studies have started to teach us that a lot of animals really like having sex. <laughs> wow, what a surprise. So let's just take a quick break and we'll talk about how fun it is for everyone right after this. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Welcome back. We're going to talk about why sex is fun. So Matthew Grover, who's a biology professor at Georgia State University, told National Geographic, quote, if sex wasn't fun, 
we wouldn't have any kids around. <laughs> I don't know how he learned that at Georgia State University. Hey, oh, because I didn't <laughs> learn it while I was there. <laughs> that sex. Zing. I didn't have any sex in college, oh, is okay, what I'm sorry. saying. <laughs> so he says that same sex behavior in animals might literally be just them enjoying themselves. I was wondering this the whole time because yeah. it's like, if you're really thinking that all sex is about procreation, then why do we have oral sex? Why right. do we have fingering? You know, what's the point of it? Yeah. And it's we're not, not the gonna, only maybe ones. Maybe I'll get to a point where I want to have your dick inside me. Yeah. But like a lot of people do non-penetrative stuff all the time. Uh, a lot of monkeys and mm -hmm. big cats have a lot of oral sex, apparently. Oh, Lord. Yeah. And the biological explanation has always been. Uh, it's because it prolongs their sexual activity and they have better chances of procreating and things like that. But that's kind of coming into question now, too, saying like, I think they might just like it. Biologists are saying that the urge to have any sex at all might just be strong enough to overpower the instinct of reproduction. And so then the partnerships that animals form in those monogamous couples might just stem from that. Hmm. And that brings us back to the original question, can animals be gay? And why the answer is kind of ambiguous and kind of no. And largely that's due to connotation. Like, animals aren't straight either. These are very human terms with a very complex meaning that carry a lot of weight. Those snails that we talked about that are all born male before one becomes female after they pair up is not really a good parallel to the human transgender experience. Yeah. But it can help show that gender and sex are fluid in nature. So mm -hmm. again, on one hand, same-sex behavior in animals is validating, especially as a counterpoint to some anti-LGBTQ rhetoric. Uh, like, for example, Thomas Aquinas, who was a philosopher, he said in the 13th century that homosexual behavior in humans was wrong specifically because it doesn't occur in nature. Hmm. But now we know that science has proven that Thomas Aquinas can go eat his own butt because he's completely wrong yeah, about that. Thomas. Now, James Essex, the director of the LGBT project at the ACLU, told New York Times that learning about same-sex behavior in animals in college in the mid-80s, the mid-1980s, made a difference for him. Mm -hmm. He said he remembered thinking, quote, oh, hey, this is quote-unquote natural. This is normal. Mm -hmm. This is part of the normal spectrum of life. Right. But he also said that it's totally beside the point. And, quote, people should not be discriminated against regardless of what animals do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Which is like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> that does seem like a kind of an obvious thing. But right. it's very important to say that. Uh, Sydney Woodruff, a non-binary and queer Ph.D. candidate at UC Davis, told Washington Post that while they're studying Western pond turtles, Quote, I have to keep in mind that if I'm researching sex and wildlife species, I'll want it to be a certain way because of my own gender and sexual identity. Mm. In our quest to find inaccuracies in previous research, we have to make sure we're being humble enough to know that we're not always going to get the answer that we want. Right, right. Which is very important. Again, it's like that thing where your foundational assumption might be getting in the way of you learning. Yeah, I think. yeah. Right. And if you're basing, you know, validating human behavior on what you learn from animals, right. you're going to find things that are like, oh, yes, this is great. And then you're going to find things that are like, 
I'm going to pretend I didn't see that, you know, yeah. it, that don't parallel. I mean, it's just completely different scenarios. So there's there's value in it, but it's not uh, it's not really the, the most supportive argument and it shouldn't need to be. Right. We're, we're really prone to seeing animals as reflections of ourselves and, and we're constantly anthropomorphizing them like to an unhealthy degree. <laughs> right. I mean. Okay, so picture a little kitty cat, right? Okay, Adorable, done. precious little <laughs> calico doing kitty it. <laughs> cat. Can that cat solve a crime? Of course not. You wouldn't ask it to. It's just a cute little kitty cat. But now imagine that cat is wearing a little Sherlock Holmes cap and has a little pipe. And I would trust this cat to solve my own murder. Absolutely. I just would. All, I would. Everything is resting on this cat now. The great cat detective. Yes. Done. You know, that's the kind of thing or we, we put these images on animals that really just aren't there. I mean, we would love to see Roy and Silo get a little penguin sitter for tango and go out to a Carly Rae Puffin concert <laughs> and then come home and catch up on the latest episodes of Seal Housewives of Antarctica. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Krill and Grace. Krill and Grace. Oh, my God. Uh... <laughs> Send us TV shows that you think a gay penguin, a would. Gay penguin would watch. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it in our story on Instagram, and I want to hear them all. I would love it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, anyway, we've got this image for what, you know, two quote-unquote gay penguins would be like, but that's, that's not their life, right? Because mm-hmm. more bluntly, animals do not have the human gay experience, right? They don't face discrimination in their homes and families. They don't have their own cultures centered around... Uh, you know, safety and and relatability and comfort. And animals that exhibit same-sex behavior are not superior to different sex-having animals when it comes to art, music, fashion, <laughs> dancing, and hairstyles like they are in humans. Sorry. Jeez. I mean, they're just better. They're just better. <laughs> Amazing. Also, at the end of it all, nearly every animal observed having same-sex sex was also seen having different sex sex, too. So as Daniel Villarreal points out on Queerty.com, most animals are probably bisexual, if anything. Wow. Yeah. So this might be the best lesson to take from it in all. Sex basically happens in this place where physical and emotional experiences kind of swish back and forth over each other. It's all a big, complicated amalgam. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's all one or all the other. Right. And that seems to be true in both humans and animals. But as much as we're constantly learning that animals are more complex than we thought they were, humans are just way, 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 way more complicated. Yeah. And our sexual preferences and aversions and everything in between are just as complicated. Yeah. So if there's a benefit to learning that animals experience same-sex attraction or form same-sex bonds, it's probably that the way we see gender is not foundational to sex. Right. Sex was there first. Right. And there's no natural law that demands that sex is exclusively between the male and female of a species any more then there's one that says that the sex that your body displays at one point in your life has to be the sex that it displays for your whole life. Right. Or that your gender needs to be tied to that sex display no matter what it is. Yeah, I mean, that, that there's no rule saying any of that. Right. I, anywhere in nature. And no. I think that's, that's really the biggest thing right. here. We made that shit up. Yeah. So, someone was like wanting to make order out of chaos. Right. And control things. Right. Not even in a malicious, like, I'm controlling people, but just like, 
you know, that human thing of like, ah, this doesn't make sense. And I want it to make sense. <laughs> yeah. And it's not that like someone sat down with a rule book one day and was like, here's I'm making gender up, you know, <laughs> but it is something that we that developed and we mm -hmm. exist in. So it matters. Right. Um, but there's also not a rule book for it. Right. Right. Which means we can throw them out and start yeah. over and make it however we want. We're at right. the top of the food chain. Hey, babe. Do whatever we want. Hell yeah. Now, of course, for every person who says, look, same sex behavior is natural. There's some idiot bigot out there who says, oh, yeah, well, some animals eat their babies. So I guess it's OK for people to do that, too. Mm -hmm. And th this is dumb. Yes. But it's also why some activists have pointed out that it's really better just to avoid the animal comparisons at all when you're talking about validating the human experience. Yeah, right. That makes sense. Like James Essex said, whatever animals are or aren't doing, quote, shouldn't be the basis of moral judgment for humans. So the general consensus seems to be, or at least the one we're kind of finally reaching here, is mm -hmm. that, yes, this kind of behavior in the animal kingdom is validating, maybe even empowering, but it's not really a direct parallel to sexuality in humans. Mm -hmm. In fact, this 2019 study, which included queer biologists, said specifically, quote, we do not use terms such as heterosexual or homosexual to prevent any conflation between human sexuality and non-human sexual behaviors. Mm. So they specifically say same sex sexual behavior and different sex sexual behavior in their study, which is kind of what we've tried to stick to here as well. So they're like, you know, the idea of what a person's sexuality is, is not something you can relate to the animal that this animal is currently having sex with. You know? Yeah, yeah. And there's no, like, penguin euphoria show. There's not a penguin <laughs> euphoria show. You're experimenting, uh -huh. and it means something this way or the other way. Yeah. It just, they just find a hole and they stick something in it. Euphoria tundra. <laughs> Eutundria? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've talked this thing to death. Right. So let's close out with one more fun sex fact about penguins. Specifically, the Adelie penguin, who are the true sexual deviants oh, of the penguin world. They really are. So in 1998, researchers Fiona Hunter and Lloyd Davis studied Adelie penguins' mating habits for five years. These penguins build little nests out of small rocks and pebbles. But towards the end of the nesting season, things get very warm on their Antarctic peninsula. And there's a risk of flooding. So they want more and more pebbles to build up a strong nest. Mm. Well, the colonies, uh, they're all crammed together in this huge gathering. It looks like a big penguin music festival, <laughs> like a little burning man. Uh huh. And on the <laughs> outskirts of the colony, there are usually a lot of single desperate males who never got to breathe. Oh. Which is sad. Mm. Um, they're just kind of chilling with like an empty nest, hoping to meet some <laughs> desperate lady penguin. It's like the club at the end of the night. And it's yes. like 4 a.m. And you're like, who's left? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so they're hanging out out there. They're kind of looking around, hoping for any stragglers at mm -hmm. the club, I guess. So these inner colony female penguins will go out to the outskirts and let these male penguins have sex with them in exchange for a rock from their nest. What? And it is the first example of prostitution found in the animal kingdom. Incredible. <laughs> oh. You got to wonder what promises amazing. they're making, too. She's just a gold digger. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you think that the... 
you know, question is, do the males know that this is a one-time thing in exchange for a rock? Or right. are these penguins, do they make you, do the, do the female penguins make you believe in it? Aww, you know, I don't know. Do they, they really play games with their heart? Well, well okay. A penguin like Linda would. Uh, Linda would. Linda would straight up connive oh, her way. She would get whatever she needed. To a rock. She would. No, no. You know what she would do is she would totally partner up with one of those penguins, mm-hmm. take all of his rocks, mm. and then go find someone new and kill him. Yep. Oh yeah. With a little poison. Uh huh. Little, little poison, poison fish <laughs> <laughs> or something. And then she's on to the next one. That trifling bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Look, sometimes these female penguins will come out and just flirt, do their little mating dances, their little trumpeting, Mm -hmm. bend over, look up coyly. Mm -hmm. Flutter their eyelashes. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And then while the male is trumpeting back, they will just snatch a pebble and run. (gasps) No sex at all. They don't even give it up. Nope. There you go, girl. Good for you. (laughs) And they almost always exclusively do this to single unpartnered male penguins because as Dr. Hunter pointed out, quote, otherwise the partner female would beat the intruder up. Like, quit playing games with my man. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, these Adelie penguins are vicious and violent. They are what an interesting study. There was this um there was this study in 1915 by Dr. George Murray Levick. And he went down to this island to study the Adelie penguins. And he could not publish his paper because it was so scandalous because the behavior he witnessed. And some of that was like some pretty nasty homophobia because he saw same-sex pairings of the Adelie penguins and was like, these perverts, their base desires are taking over, blah, blah, Uh blah. But some of it was pretty horrific. Like he said, quote, I saw another act of astonishing depravity today. A hen, which had been in some way badly injured in the hindquarters, was crawling painfully along her belly. I was just wondering whether I ought to kill her or not when a cock noticed her in passing and went up to her. After a short inspection, he deliberately raped her. So pretty horrific story about these Adelie penguins. Well, no wonder the ladies are like, let's get my rock where I'm I can. Steel. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to flirt with you and get my rocks they saw, without giving it up. They saw male penguins having sex with dead penguins. Whoa. Like, just he said after this whole incident in his notebook, he wrote, quote, there seems to be no crime too low for these penguins. I love how offended these penguins are making him. Like, he I is mean, like, he it's is really affected. Look, the animal kingdom is full of non-consensual sex <laughs> and pretty horrific behavior and yeah. violence, of course. But, you know, you go look at these cute little penguins. I mean, this guy thought he was just going to go watch the mating habits of the Adelie penguin right. and saw true horrors. Whew. Well, honestly, penguins turning into sex work is pretty great. I'd say if, if you got a product... <laughs> And you can sell it. Then get what you're worth. They hustling. You know, yeah, they're out here hustle culture. Get out there. <laughs> Penguin hustle culture. <laughs> I can respect that. <laughs> now, BBC points out that other animals have been seen exchanging food for sex, but only within an existing partnership. And Dr. Hunter said that the most stones she saw a single female penguin take in a three-week mating period was 62. <gasps> but she says she probably didn't even see them all. Oh, wow. This girl was working. She had her OnlyFins on. OnlyFins. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, don't forget to subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. 
Wow, I did not know any of this about penguins. There's so much any of these animals. This is really fascinating. Look, sex is complicated in nature and also like completely uncomplicated too. That's kind of what I love about it is they're just like, whatever, I like having sex. You you down? I'm down. Great. Let's go do it. No, but I feel like you're right. It's so much more like it's just fun. I just enjoy it. I like to put my dick in things. I'm curious about what it does. Yeah, I'm absolutely. curious about what it's supposed to do and what it can do and yeah. why and when and how. And, you know, just interesting to see that sort of exploration and curiosity and stuff like that in all these different species. And and learning how it's benefiting them. Right. You know, and to think like, uh, you know, <laughs> what experiences are we limiting for ourselves by being so trapped in our kind of, like you said, sort of fabricated traditional beliefs about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, or even thinking about like procreation, yeah. you know, propagation of the species or whatever. I remember seeing some conversation about that, about people not, you know, choosing deliberately not to have children. Right. And, you know, people are like, well, why? You know, you're that's not the instinct is to have them. And, you know, you're people are worried about birth rates and shit like uh-huh. that for some reason. And I saw someone be like, you know, I think it's really great because now you have all these more adults that are interested yes. in the kids, like even more yes. aunts and uncles that don't have their own kids. And so they can actually care about your kid. And it takes yep. a community, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. So, you you know, you're thinking about all of these other resources and time and love and energy that can be expended on kids because yep. you're not having one of your own necessarily. Right. That came up specifically in one of the studies about penguins. Uh, where they said, you know, yeah, you do kind of get the 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 gay uncles yeah. in the pe- in the penguin world, where they contribute to the raising of yeah. young penguins, uh, like you said, without having their own that they're focused on, mm-hmm. because penguins do kind of they they have individual parents, but there is a community there as well. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. It's interesting to think about trying to set up your family unit in a different way. Yeah. You know, and it's just, again, it's all those things where we're assuming and we grow grow up with such cultural foundations that you're like never necessarily think about or choose to challenge. And it's okay if it works for you. Um, the way it is, but right. it's, it's not doesn't mean that you can't think about it differently yeah. or look at it and go, this could be different. And what yeah. if it was and how yeah. would that look and how might that be beneficial and stuff like that? And allowing other people to do those things other ways, too. Right. You know, especially especially it's like, who cares if you have a kid? But it I completely care. doesn't affect you at all, as in <laughs> literally anyone else's sexuality that you're not actively having sex with. Like Pretty much. Exactly. No bearing whatsoever at all. None of your business. None of your business. Yeah. But the, but there is also like again it's there's just something nice to take from it, uh, but just not lean on it too hard. Especially like James Essex says that he won't use this in legal cases, right? He's not going to turn to animals when he's fighting for human rights in a legal case and mm. say, "Well, penguins do it, right?" So what's the problem? And it has been brought up in legal cases and beneficially in the past when the law specifically said some old laws were like. Mm. Homosexuals shouldn't ex- homosexuality shouldn't exist because it does not exist in nature. And they were able to say, hey, look, yes, it does. Wrong. And they're like, all right, well, now we have to come up with a new argument, mm-hmm. which they always do. But we don't like it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I probably should have just said that in the first place. <laughs> My mom said I couldn't do it. So now <laughs> you can't do it either. Well, I found this so fascinating and I hope mm-hmm. you did, too. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting lessons to take out of this. Some of those lessons are don't take too much of a lesson from it either way. But <laughs> um, but I, I, I love 
I love learning about animals. Yeah. Uh, I love uh, learning about anything that validates <laughs> the LGBTQIA plus experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was a really fun story. Yeah. yeah. Or the challenges, you know, yeah. your assumptions. Again, yeah. I really feel like that's the, what I'm taking most from this story yep. is like, what are you not questioning? Yeah. That you could be questioning. Yeah. And that's definitely. not to say you have to dismantle everything in your life. Right. It's just like, why not look at it just for right. a minute and be like, is that how it has to be? Yeah. Do I like it? Is it serving me? Why, you know, <laughs> why is it like that? You know, I don't yeah. know. I think that's usually valuable in your, in evolution. Hey, brought it back to evolution. There you go. There you go. I'm so great. <laughs> well, we would love to keep evolving this show. And the best way we yeah. could do that is to get some feedback from you all. So please send us your thoughts on all this, all these penguins and these animals that are out there having a whole lot more sex than we are. And uh, give us your thoughts. You can reach us at ridicromance at gmail.com. That's right. Or we're on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Dynamite Boom. That's right. And I'm at Oh Great, it's Eli. And the show is at Ridic Romance. Mm-hmm. And find us on TikTok at yeah. Ridiculous Romance as well. Thank you so much for spending time with us. We love hanging out with y'all and yeah. talking about all this fun stuff. And we'll have another good one for you next time. All right. See you then. Bye. Bye-bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and dance to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 